This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. The weather office is forecasting another week of hot, dry weather across the Saskatchewan Grain Belt. Highs approaching 30 degrees are expected in the Regina area for most of this week, except tomorrow when the temperature is anticipated to reach 35 degrees. Meteorologist Eric Dyke says it won't be close to the record and won't trigger a heat warning. That, in fact, even though it's quite warm, is still 5 degrees cooler than the record for, the, uh, for that day, which is 40 degrees on the nose back in 1917. So even though we're seeing very, very warm conditions tomorrow, still not record-breaking, it looks like, for Tuesday. A heat warning is in place today for areas along the U.S. border with highs in the mid-30s today and tomorrow. The threshold for having a heat warning for a majority of southern Saskatchewan are highs of 32 degrees, lows of 16, and then highs of 32 once again. So when you have that one day that has a high of 35, and on either side of that, uh, highs of 29 and 28, it's warm, but it's not quite meeting the threshold needed for heat warning. Eric Dykes is with Environment Canada. Regina-based Farm Credit Canada is reporting a strong financial performance in the past year despite the pandemic. FCC President Michael Hoffert says the FCC portfolio grew by 7.6%, reaching over $41 billion. Our fiscal year for 2020-2021 that ended March 31st, we did see a strong year for growth in demand for credit, you know, which was a bit surprising as we started the year with COVID, of course, and some of the disruptions in supply chains and, and really a lot of wonders on what the year would hold. And then as, as things unfolded, for sure, uh, you know, we did see uh, increase in demand for credit. Uh, some of that corresponded with uh, improving commodity prices. But at the end of the year, we'd grown by 7.5%, and our portfolio uh, was now $41.5 billion. Well, you also, though, had some deferred payments up, the number of deferrals. What caused that? Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, really, uh, a lot of uh, the offer we had was to deal with the COVID uh, disruptions that happened. And and so it varied across the country and what types of enterprises needed to take advantage of those and, and, and saw, you know, either adjustments to their, their cash flows that required something to happen or, you know, just some extra expenses was not common as well. So uh, we would have had around 4,900 of our customers and, and, and over $5 billion of, of deferrals in our loan payments, you know, just coming into the start of that year. In addition, uh, we did offer some COVID, what we call COVID credit lines uh, of different sizes that were targeted at different customer groups. And we had uh, just under a billion dollars of approvals for those as well. And so that was really coming out of that spring, just where there was a lot of things happening and and a, and a lot of uncertainty. And and so we were, uh, you know, we're able to lean in uh, and I would say support the industry, both agriculture producers, but also food processors, which were really impacted early on. But it was a pretty good year for Canadian food and food exports. Yeah, it was for sure. As as things unfolded, and uh, you know, we we did work our way through that first say two quarters of, of uh, our fiscal year. So you think over the summer and into fall, 
and then things started to get on track again. You know, we had very, very strong exports of, say, the, the key commodities and, and where we thought we might, you know, there was a period of time where it was really difficult for, say, like, um, you know, cattle producers and feedlots in particular. You know, that was a little bit better by the fall and, and into the, the cow-calf run was not as disruptive as we thought it might be. And so, uh, you know, every sector, I think, had a little bit of a, a shudder where there was something that was, you know, had to be managed. And at the end of the day, it really uh, was, a, you know, confirmed the resiliency of uh, Canadian egg producers and, and uh, those involved in agribusiness and agri-food side of the business. There was a lot of things that happened that were positive at the end of the day. FCC made some interesting contributions to communities. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, yeah, we, we uh, for sure are, are uh, you know, we're a mandate-driven, uh, purpose-driven organization. And, and we look to contribute back in communities where we live and work. Our employees are located across the country. And also, we're in the food business. So we support and serve the industry that feeds Canadians and feeds folks around the world. So, you know, one of the a long-term uh, program that we have is, of course, our driveway hunger campaign. And, and we work with schools and communities and food processors and customers across the country. And, and this year was pretty special. You know, it was a year of need, I would say, uh, that uh, due to a lot of reasons economics-wise and with the, the pandemic. And, and uh, our food drive, uh, along with our partners, uh, we had a record 17 million meals that were, were uh, donated to uh, food banks across the country. And some of those in quite small towns and some of those in our larger centers where there was uh, great degrees of need. And, and so those are, you know, there's examples of that for sure. We would uh, we do some community uh, financing of projects or, or uh, grants to projects to improve rural communities. And, and we also, you know, just some, some really important, I think, contributions to organizations of youth like, like our 4-H and others that uh, we get involved with egg, with egg in the classroom. And, uh, you know, just try and make a, a bit of difference. And, and if we can bring others with us through partnerships, that's, that's often our goal and how we approach things. Coming up, Hofford discusses the growth of FCC. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6 Inch Eavestroughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroughs.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. Farm Credit Canada is reporting a net income of more than $800 million. FCC President Michael Hoffert says the total loan portfolio has grown 7.6% this past year, reaching $41.5 billion. For the organization, uh, we actually had a very strong net income uh, in our last fiscal year, Jim, of $812.5 million. So, and, and some of that was reflective, I would say, of, of some of the, the growth that was above what we anticipated doing. And some of it also was the, I guess, adjustment that we made to set aside more for credit losses that we thought might be coming as a result of the COVID pandemic at the start of the fiscal year. By the end of the fiscal year, some of that started to, our models were telling us that wasn't going to be necessary, that the balance sheet for the industry was strong, uh, that there was profitability in, in the bulk of our customer base that should allow them to make their payments as normal. So some of that A12 did have some uh, I'd say, uh, special factors that came into play, but was very reflective of, you know, the strength and resiliency of the Canadian sector, you know, overall from coast to coast. It does also, you know, that, that those funds, of course, will be available to relend into the industry and, and, and allow us to do some special programming that we'd like to do, whether it's for, you know, young, young entrepreneurs, young farmers. We had over $4.6 billion of loans to that group last year or to, you know, some other areas like Indigenous agriculture or, 
women entrepreneurs are, are great examples where we've got some programming that we're looking to uh, continue to reload and to build on. You're running a $41.5 billion organization. Mm-hmm. That's big. You know, it's, uh, it is. And, and if I think about my career, it's, uh, I've been at FCC for over 33 years now, and, and we have grown. And, and, you know, if anybody, when, when I look at it, it we're, we're, we're reflective of the industry that we serve. So, you know, the industry that was coming out of that farm debt crisis of that late 80s period and, and really from a profitability perspective had some struggles in some ways. It's what we have now where we're, you know, very resilient, very strong, uh, I would say a, a globally important egg food sector that does need some capital to, to drive its growth. But it's also, you know, running with the, when we don't have a year, I guess, with some of the, the growing condition challenges we might have this year, but really some profitability that, that uh, makes those investments possible. And so FCC is, you know, we're, we're, we're one of many that serve the industry from a financing perspective. And, and we, we've got around a 28, 29% market share, which is quite steady. And, uh, and, and so there's, there's been lots of things happening in the Canadian egg and food side and from an investment perspective and, and to, I, I would say continue to grow uh, what we can produce, uh, what we can process, and then ultimately just that contribution to the overall Canadian economy. And, and it's substantive, without a doubt. Michael Hofford is the president and CEO of Regina-based Farm Credit Canada. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. I am joined right now by the acting president and CEO of Saskatchewan Insurance Corporation is Jeff Morrow. Jeff, how are you? I'm well, Sean. How are you? Doing great. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining us. So, Jeff, there's a lot happening right now in Saskatchewan. We Obviously, the drought is playing, uh, well, it, it's having a huge role in what the outcomes are of this year's crop, as well as some of the challenges that ranchers are facing in the province. Recently, you made some changes to how you're going to handle disaster crop and how that applies to potentially some of it being grazed to help out the ranchers. Can you talk about those changes? Yeah, you bet, Sean. Yeah, the the dry conditions are certainly uh, having an impact, um, and I'd say it's primarily on the west side of the province is where it's most impacted, but really the whole province is uh, uh, suffering a little bit from the drier conditions for sure. Um, and so the changes that we made um, that Minister Merritt announced here back in, in uh, mid-July were to address kind of what we felt was and what industry was telling us was the immediate uh, need for the livestock feed side of the equation. Um, we know that pastures were uh, suffering uh, water water challenges as well. So there was a the changes were to address and to hopefully make more livestock feed available. So the the changes were to double what we call the low yield appraisal. So that's the threshold at which we would say, okay, this crop um, there's not enough there. We're going to call it zero for the claim, but there's hopefully still some salvage value there for grazing as you mentioned, or maybe baling and silage if the stand uh, is thick enough to uh, to make feed in that manner. So what that means is, I'll just give you an example for barley, a common crop that's used for feed. 
our old low-yield appraisal was seven bushels an acre. It was doubled to 14. So if we, uh, producer contacts us, we uh, appraise that crop anywhere under 14 bushels per acre, um, and the producer wants to use that for grazing, baling, or silage, we would count zero uh, for that portion of his claim. Now, is that going to impact my averages in, in future years? So that's the, the second part of the announcement, uh, Sean, was that uh, we will use zero for calculating the claim, but we'll use the actual appraised yield to update your coverage going forward. Um, so let's say the, that barley, it was right on the threshold of 14. It's zero for the claim, but we'll put 14 into your coverage going forward. And so what are the steps I need to go through? Do I need to contact one of the field offices and say, hey, I need you to come out here? Or like, because I've heard from a few grain farmers saying, no, 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 I have to combine it. Um, I I can't get an appraisal done. It sounds like you can have an agent come out and look at it, right? Yeah, absolutely, Sean. And uh, the first and most important step, I would say, is, is to notify one of our offices and talk about, you know, what you want to do with that crop. And what our staff will do is, is walk through the options, walk through how it works. Um, SCIC never um, will tell a producer what they have to do with the crop. It's not our crop, it's theirs. So um, the, you're right, they contact our office. We have an adjuster uh, that will put an appraisal on it. Um, we also have processes to be flexible, uh, just acknowledging that sometimes um, decisions need to be made quickly. Um, and we also acknowledge crop is deteriorating. So um, we do allow check strips to be left if we can't get to the farm, you know, the day that they want to graze or bale or silage. Um, if they want to graze, they just have to throw some bale feeders upside down or fence off a small area uh, that we can get out there and appraise uh, just as soon as we can. So we want to stay out of the way as much as we can. We want to make sure our processes are flexible so that producers can do whatever they need to do with that crop that's in the field. Yeah, and the the size of those check strips, those those technical specifications, those are up on the SCIC website. I think the best is is really to contact SCIC and talk through the options. Um, I'm not sure if the dimensions and, and all yeah. the specifications are on our website because it's it's always best just to get a handle on the situation, what the producer is facing, what they want to do, um, and then the office can best direct them um, with those pieces from. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Sunny today, windy's 20, the high 29, the low 16. Tuesday, sunny and hazy, wind southwest 30, the high 35, the low 17. Wednesday, sunny, the high 28, the low 14. Thursday, sunny, the high 29, the low 16. Friday, sunny, the high 29, the low 14. Saturday, sunny, the high 29, the low 15. Sunday, sunny, the high near 30. Normal high is 26, the normal low is 11. The sun rose at 518 this morning. It sets at 852 tonight. And around the province, we have Estevan at 28. 
The hot spot right now is Mancota at 30. The cold spot up north, Key Lake at 18. Saskatoon is 23. Swift Current, 25. Weyburn, 29. Yorkton is 23. Sunny in Regina, 25. That's 77 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the east at 10. Humidity is 38%. The barometer falling, 101.5. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 26. Winds are from the northeast at 24. Once again, Regina, sunny in 25. That's 77 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer is just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Some Canadian canola customers are going to have to look for new sources or substitutes in the coming year. Mike Jubinville with Markets Farm has done some number crunching. He sees canola exports going from about 10 million tons this year to only 7.6 million in the upcoming crop year. You know, stalwart buyers, you know, like the Japans and the Mexicos, U.S. and the Chinas and such, are probably going to get their share. Uh, but it's going to be on a first-come, first-served basis this year when we get into the next year's marketing season. And a number of, you know, Regular buyers of Canadian canola are just not going to be able to get their traditional fill from Canada, you know, whether it's Europe or Bangladesh, Pakistan, United Arab Emirates, or otherwise. Domestic canola crushers will likely see a 5 to 10% drop in supply, with eastern Canadian facilities looking elsewhere to fill their needs. I suspect we're going to see the margins, crush margins, work for crushers out in eastern Canada. They're going to probably bring some offshore canola rapeseed in, maybe it's from Ukraine or otherwise, uh, and forego some of the product from Western Canada's supplies are certainly going to be tight. Uh, so we're going to probably have a very tight supply situation amongst the crushers to, to battle over. Jubinville says the hot, dry weather has caused irreversible yield loss. Right now he has lowered his canola crop estimate to 16 or 17 million tons, but others are less optimistic. I wonder what happens if this turns out to be a 16 or a 15 or a 14 million ton crop that you know people in the trade are already talking about i'm not prepared necessarily to go there just yet but the trend towards smaller crop is certainly the fashionable part of the conversation as it stands right now all of this will result in continued fluctuations for canola futures with no stock rebuilding this year there's no reason to believe that we're about to undertake any sustained downward trend in terms of prices anytime soon uh, but make no mistake about it you know we are into crazy times on this canola market so wild volatile price swings uh, in this environment can and, and will occur certainly on a whim. Mike Jubinville is the senior markets analyst with Markets Farm. His comments come from an online presentation last Thursday. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. 
This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small-town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The Grain Growers of Canada Group was happy to see the Federal Agriculture Minister invoking the late participation provision for agri-stability. Aaron Gowerluck with Grain Growers of Canada says it's the only program that can offer some meaningful support to grain farmers who are being hard hit by the lack of moisture. She spoke with reporter Cheryl Brooks. What we're hearing from our members right now is that this is the time when they're facing some pretty difficult decisions and that is whether or not to begin to invest in and apply crop protection products to mitigate the impact of some of the pest pressures that they're facing now as a result of the drought. Grasshoppers are an issue now in many parts of the, of the prairies. Do they make that decision? Do they make that investment with the hope that they're going to walk away with something come harvest time? Or did they cut their losses? And certainly we're having a conversation now about how we can divert some of the crops that are out there now into the feed market where we're seeing a real desperate situation and a shortage with respect to feed for for livestock. So those are some of the difficult decisions that, that our members are, are, are facing across the country right now. Have we dealt with anything like this in the recent past? I mean, I know there was drought in the early 2000s. Has there been anything this bad not that long ago? From what I've heard from some of our members, depending on how long they've been farming, for some of them who are younger, this may be the first time they've seen anything quite like this, both in terms of severity, but in terms of just how widespread it is across the country. It's been a long time since we've seen anything this this widespread and this So what do we do right now then? Uh, The federal ag minister came out with an announcement regarding agri-stability, a little bit of agri-recovery. Is any of this going to help? Well, with respect to agri-recovery, I I, I expect that's going to have a greater impact or a more significant impact for ranchers who need some relief. I don't know to what extent that's going to offer any meaningful relief to grain farmers who may not experience some of the extraordinary costs related to the drought. Agri-stability between the two is certainly going to be the one that's going to provide more meaningful relief for grain farmers in particular. But, you know, here we go again. We're looking at a program where you don't have many farmers enrolled because the program is woefully inadequate. And so, you know, we were grateful to see as part of the announcement Minister Bebo's commitment, the federal government's commitment to encourage the provinces to express their intention to allow for late enrollment. So we're certainly encouraging the provinces to do that immediately, to let farmers in their province know that they can, if they haven't already signed up, do so at this point. I think some questions remain around what impact that's going to have on the penalty. I believe typically if you were to enroll late in the program and you were to trigger a payment, you'd face a 20% penalty on that payment as a result of, of late enrollment. But this takes us back to this conversation that we were having. You know, it started largely or we turned the volume up on it around 2019 when we faced the harvest from hell and we were calling on the federal government and the provinces to make agri-stability coverage more meaningful, to adjust the trigger rate for producers back to the 2013 levels, increase it from 70 to 85%, and remove the reference margin limits. You know, we saw more recently, just before the end of last year in 2020, Minister Bebo put an offer on the table to the provinces, expressing the federal government's interest in removing the reference margin limit, which they have since done, and increasing the compensation rate 
from 70 to 80 percent. And that's the piece where we just didn't see enough provincial support, especially across the prairie provinces, to get that across the finish line. And, and, and I think that's really unfortunate because those are the provinces now that are hardest. Aaron Gorelak is with Grain Growers of Canada. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork. Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more, visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were showing some downward movement in early trading. Canola fell 440 at 854.57. Number one red spring wheat went down $5.15 at 361.21. The rest were unchanged. Durham 469.11. Feed barley 264.65. Flax 677.94. Lentils 771.50. Oats 236.53. Yellow peas 347.27. Feed wheat 238.84. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, September spring wheat is down nine and three quarter cents at 873 and three quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Current Yard. 750 head of cattle on the Tuesday sale. The cow market is a little bit lower again. and average is 80 and just a squirt over on the average. Uh, the bulk of the cows trading from 80 to 85 you do get some superstars in the 90-point range, but thinner cows very, very much uh, under pressure at uh, 70 to 80, and shellier cows certainly uh, fall off the bottom of the spectrum. The bull market, uh, a little bit softer. They still get up to $1.24. We average $1.07 straight through and all the bulls in the sale. The two-year-old heiferettes are a touch softer, trading from 125 to 135. Uh, feeder cows, the young cows, uh, that demand is pretty much siphoned right off. Uh, you'll get some 90 to a dollar cent three-year-old cows in the right places. Into the feeder cattle, again, the uh, grass or yearlings coming off of grass still stay very strong. We sold uh, Three semi-loads of Charlie heifers weighing 975 on the DLMS direct off the farm network. Uh, they bring 170, 170 per pound. Uh, uh, very fortunate to have the feeders still perking along. That's the way it is in cattle country. Heartland Swift Current. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 4,800 hogs Friday. Selling a range of 242 to 261 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,400 head, selling in a range of 241 to 260 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week ending Saturday, July 24th are Ole West 2020 contract, 251.60, Ole West 2021 contract, 256.50, Maple Leaf Sig 4, 244.49, Ham's Cash, 242.49, Thunder Creek Brickco, 238.82, High Life Cash, 259.26 and high life contract $261.76 per CKG. 
Hemp's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices opened mixed this morning. On Friday, the Canadian dollar was down five basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2575. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.74 cents U.S. U.S. cash markets were generally under pressure last week, with hog supplies more abundant, as reflected by the hog slaughter coming in at 2.33 million hogs, up 50,000 from the previous week. This will likely mark the seasonal turning point for weekly slaughter levels, climbing back to the peak of around 2.75 million hogs in about five months. Packer profitability has improved, with carcass values moving higher while their hog costs have dropped marginally. Lean hog futures have been on a firming trend, despite the growing risk to this fall's cash market fundamentals, given the recent reductions in slaughter plant chain speed and the closure of Smithfield's Gwaltney, Virginia plant. With the December contract recovering to about $4 a hundredweight from previous highs, producers have an opportunity to secure more than $200 per hog Canadian for at least one week in every month of the winter. Given the still uncertain demand situation and the aforementioned risk on plant capacities, producers should look at covering up to half of their planned winter production at current prices. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Nature Saskatchewan is asking rural motorists to be on the lookout for young burrowing owls. Young owls are inexperienced and often forage on grid roads and in ditches and need to learn the way of the road. Unfortunately, many of these young owls are at risk of being struck by motorists while foraging along the sun-warmed roads. The burrowing owl population in Saskatchewan has been steadily declining. Nature Saskatchewan says the survival of each owl is critical for the ultimate survival of the species. The agency says motorists can help the juvenile owls survive by slowing down in rural areas, particularly near pasture land. The owls are often found nesting in native or tame prairie that has been well grazed by cattle, as the shorter grass enables the owl to see any nearby predators. They're often seen standing near the burrow entrance on nearby fence posts or foraging in the ditches. The owls use abandoned burrows dug by badgers, gophers and other burrowing mammals. Nature Saskatchewan has a burrowing owl initiative to help ensure the species survive. On the markets, the TSX is down 54 points at 20,134. The Dow has risen 27 points at 35,089. Oil is down 57 cents at 71.50 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 17 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.72 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.